Mark chapter 7. How are we doing over there? We're good? Okay. I got a special surprise for you guys in honor of this, this message. I, it just reminded me of a movie, and I felt I had to share this clip. I know we sang four songs just now, but you, I know you're going to want to join in. So roll, roll, roll tape. Roll tape. And how do we keep our balance? That I can tell you in one word. Tradition! Because of our traditions, we've kept our balance for many, many years. Here in Anatevka, we have traditions for everything. How to sleep, how to eat, how to work, how to wear clothes. For instance, we always keep our heads covered and always wear a little prayer shawl. This shows our constant devotion to God. You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. <laughs> but it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, Every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. <laughs> oh, tradition. What a great, how many people have seen Fiddle on the Roof? Yeah, okay. Fiddle on the Roof? Fiddle on the Roof, have you seen this? Yeah, no? Okay, all right, guys. You got <laughs> Movie night. Movie night. It's a very, it's a very long movie, but it's very good. Um, so we're we're gonna jump in, and you're gonna know why here in a second. While why uh, I read these first few verses of Mark uh, seven verses one to five, which says this. Now, when the Pharisees gathered to him with some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem, they saw that some of his disciples ate with hands that were defiled, that is unwashed. For the elders and all the Jews do not eat unless they wash their hands properly, holding to the tradition of the elders. And when they come from the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And there are many other traditions that they observe, such as the washing of cups and pots and copper vessels and dining couches. And the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do your disciples not walk according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with defiled hands? Would you pray with me? Lord, we're so thankful for this morning, so thankful for the opportunity to look at your word, to be challenged uh, in our hearts about uh, why we do the things we do. Uh, God, you've given us a reason, you've given us uh, a purpose in these things, and, and so God, we pray that you would, um, yeah, help us to see you uh, this morning as we look at your word and as we're challenged by uh, the challenge of Jesus. Um, and Lord, we just pray that your spirit would guide and convict and direct our hearts this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> so 
So Jesus comes to uh, the Pharisees and the, and the scribes, or actually the Pharisees and scribes come to him, and they, they have a question for him, and they say, so your disciples, they're not, like, they're not washing their hands. Like, what's going on? And, and they've, uh, they've actually observed also that the disciples are doing things that are unclean. You know, I mean, Jesus himself is uh, touched by the woman with the discharge. She reaches out to touch the leper uh, and heal him. All these things would be considered making a person unclean. And so uh, the Pharisees and scribes come to him and say, how is it that you do not obey the Mishnah, basically, that you don't obey the oral tradition that has been handed down to us about how we make sure that we are in accordance with the law? So what is happening here is that um, there is this tradition that has been handed down. It's an oral tradition that had been passed down from beyond the Torah. The Torah is the Old Testament, okay, the first five books, uh, including the Ten Commandments and all that. And so that's like the stated word of God, right? And then in addition to that, an oral tradition was developed called the Mishnah, uh, which was considered to be like a fence that's placed around the law, okay? So like if you've got like this is what's, uh, what you should not do and should do, just to be sure that you should and should not do those things or do and do not do those things, we're going to put an extra little fence around this to just extrapolate on these commands to make sure that you don't do the actual breaking of the law, right? It's a fence put around it. Okay, so you got to stay clean. Okay, then clean all the cups. Make sure not even residue of a dead person's body gets on the cup and then you are unclean, right? You do all these little things to be sure that you do not defile yourself in any way. And Jesus here uh, is confronted with this question. Well, why, why, don't you, why aren't you worried about these cleanliness laws? What is the deal, Jesus, with your disciples? They don't follow this stuff. And Jesus responds uh, very forcefully because what has happened is that the tradition has become greater than the heart of the law to them. Okay? And this, can, this is true in all of us. We all fight this struggle, and we're going to see this as we walk through today in the passage, uh, often our routines, our habits, the things that we do that we hold up so highly are things that actually, in the grand scheme of things, we value them more than what is in our heart, and then God sees that our heart is actually in the outward appearance rather than in the inward appearance. So Jesus is confronted by the Pharisees and scribes and say, why don't you guys practice these cleanliness laws? And Jesus says this in Mark uh, 7, verse 6 to 9, he said, and he said to them, well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites. As it is written, this people honors me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me. This is from Isaiah. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You leave the commandment of God and hold to the tradition of men. And Jesus said to them, you have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to establish your tradition. So Jesus says, you are honoring me with your lips, right? You're saying that you're following God. You're saying that you're following the Lord. But the truth is, in your heart, you're just putting on a show, right? That word hypocrite is really a, a word for an actor who was uh, playing a role poorly, <laughs> who didn't have their whole heart in, in the role, actually. They were there doing the role, but they actually didn't do the role. You know what I mean? It was actually, so, so the whole person is like an actor. They're supposed to be doing these certain things, but they don't even care about what they're doing. And so that person in the theater world was called, you're a hypocrite. You've been given this role, and you're not even stepping up to do the role. You're half doing it, right? And so um, he says, you guys are hypocrites. 
You're just speaking with your lips what you, what you think you ought to do, not even considering what is the heart of the matter. Jesus provides uh, an example of this um, uh, to them in verses, uh, verses 10 to 13. He goes on and says, For Moses said this, so this is from the Ten Commandments, right? Moses said this in the Ten Commandments, Honor your, fa- your father and your mother. <clears throat> And whoever reviles father or mother must surely die. But you say, that is, according to your tradition, you say, if a man tells his father or mother, whatever you would have gained from me is korban, that is, given to God, then you no longer permit him to do anything for his father or mother, thus making void the word of God by your tradition that you have handed down. And many of these things, these such things you do. So Jesus says to them, let me give you one example. And actually in verse 14 it says, uh, or verse 13 it says, you do many such things like this. Okay, this is just one example of how your tradition has overridden the actual command of God. Okay, you've taken this oral tradition and you've just expanded and expanded and expanded upon it so much so that you've actually violated the law itself. The law says you should honor your father and mother. So as you receive blessing from the Lord and as you are working well, you turn back and make sure that your mom and dad are taken care of in their old age or whatever it is, right? You bless bless your your father and your mother as the Lord has blessed you and as they have blessed you, right? I mean, all this. So as the Lord gives, that's what you do, right? And so what they were promoting at this time was, hey, listen, let me, are you interested in a deferred giving plan, Okay. You can decide right now to receive honor for what you're going to give in the future by designating what you have right now to be given to God when you die. So what results is you actually get to control your assets still. Okay, say you have a house, right? You got a house and you got 100% equity in that house and you go to the temple and you say, hey, I give my house to the Lord. It, It will be sold one day and all the proceeds will go to the temple. That's great. That's a great thing, right? And in the community, you know, pat on your back, you know, you're seen as a good person, all this acclaim might come to you because of the great giving that you have given. And this is being promoted among the Pharisees for people to give korban, to give in advance the things that they have. So you go through your life and you have your house. It's committed to the Lord. Now say mom and dad get sick. They need a place to stay or they need... You know, you need to figure out how to help them or whatever, right? Now you have this excuse you're holding back on them. You say, I can't actually help you with this house because all the proceeds of this house are devoted to the Lord. They're in my control, but I've decided to give them to the Lord so I can't actually help you. And the Pharisees and the scribes are holding people to this rule of korban. And Jesus says, you are tying people away from being able to honor their father and mother by promoting something that is to the advantage of the temple, and the temple increases in might and glory and power, and people increase in their own, you know, pride and and, uh, wonder or whatever, but the very basic rule of taking care of your mother and your father has been cut away by the moving of your assets to the control of the temple. Now you can't do the very basic rule of the law which is honor your father and mother. He says, you do this, and you do so many things like this. You are caught up in 
being made to look better than you are so much that you actually break the commandments of God. So this is just one, one example that Jesus gives to them. He says, this is, this is fundamental to you. You're so caught up in washing the outside of the cup that you don't even care what's in the cup. And so he calls uh, the people to him. He calls the crowd to them. He tells them, it's actually a parable. It's probably the shortest parable uh, in the Bible, but uh, later in verse uh, 17, it does refer to it as a parable uh, from the disciples. He calls the crowd to them. So the crowd comes to Jesus, and in verses 14 to 15, he calls them to him, and he says this to them. He calls the people to him again and said to them, Hear me, all of you, and understand, <clears throat> there is nothing outside a person that by going into him can defile him. But the things that come out of a person are what defile him. Okay, so the Pharisees and scribes come and accuse Jesus of not cleaning the outside of the cup, basically. And he turns to the crowd and says, first he gives them a very clear and stark answer. You know, you guys have actually not only, uh, like, you don't care about this outside of the cup, but you also don't care about that inside of the cup. Um, now let me turn to the crowd and tell them something very plain. In your presence, right? They're, they're still there probably, right? Crowd, gather around, gather around. Let me tell you something. Nothing outside a person by going into him can defile him, but the things that come out of a person are what defile him. And the crowd dismisses. Uh, if you, you might notice, I'm just going to side note this, but you might notice in your Bibles that verse 16 does not exist in maybe one of your Bibles. Anybody ever notice that? Verse 16 is not included in a lot of Bibles. So uh, just, this is just a very, very side note, just for FYI, bonus point for, for your information. There are times when you actually skip a verse in the Bible. That's because that verse is not represented highly by like, the rest of the manuscripts that we have as we've collected manuscripts over the time. And so in like, a newer version of the Bible, a newer translation of the Bible, you actually have that skipped. So verse 16 is taken out because we don't have good substantiation or as much substantiation for that verse. But it, it doesn't say anything significant. It just reinforces the call. It says, if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. Okay? So it's not like it was controversial. You know, it just isn't represented. Just want to let you know, you go from verse 15 to 17, you might have noticed that. It's not there. Don't be scared. It's just, you know, okay. All right. We can talk about that later. Okay, so he dismisses the crowd. He gives them the shortest parable of the whole Gospels says, listen, if it, nothing that goes in a person can defile him, only things that come out of a person can defile him. And when he'd entered the house and left the people, his disciples asked him about the parable. His disciples come to him and go, what just happened? Like, you just got accused by the Pharisees, then you accused them back, and then you told this mysterious parable to the crowd that's really, really short. What is, what is going on? So they're confused, and they come to Jesus and ask him about the parable. <clears throat> Verse 18 to 19, he goes on to explain it. He said to them, Then are you also without understanding? Do you not see that whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile him, since it enters not his heart, but his stomach, and is expelled? Thus he declared all foods clean. He said, listen, if you put something in you, it just goes out of you. That's all that happens, Right? It's just a food. It's just a substance. Your body, your body handles it, and then it goes away, right? So that thing isn't the thing that's defiling you. 
That's just a substance. That's just something that's going into your body, and it goes out of you. And he goes on to say, what comes out of a person is what defiles him. Verse 21, for from within and out of the heart of a man come a list of things, evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness, and all these things come from within and they defile a person. It is not the thing that goes in that defiles, it is the thing that comes out that defiles. Um, we're going to talk about this on, on a couple of levels. There's obviously like the food aspect of it, right? I mean, okay, so uh, the cake is not going to defile us. It's delicious. It's holy cake. So just clear that out right, right now, right? As the holy cake, we had holy cake this morning. Thank you, Sandy. Um, you know, but there's all, obviously like lots of substances that you can put in your body that are bad for you, right? And the more you put in, the more they are bad for you. They create toxicity in your, in your body and whatever. Um, and what results and why, why God says something like, you know, yeah, you can have a little wine, but don't become drunk, right? Is that when you become drunk, your flesh takes over. No longer are you guided by the spirit that is within you, but rather you're guided by the flesh that is in you. And what results could be any number of things, right? If you're drunk, you might be an angry drunk. You might be a lazy drunk. You might be, like, there, there are all sorts of functioning results of people consuming too much alcohol. For some, it is, is destructive. For some, it is, like, whatever, slows you down and all this kind of thing, right? Did the substance do the defiling? No, what is in you did the defiling, okay? Does that mean, oh, you can just have as much as you want because it's, you know, whatever goes in you is fine? No. Because you have to have control to say, I know what's coming out of me if I take too much of this, right? So let's just clear that point real quick. Like any addictive substances, like if you go beyond the point of control, you've also created a whole nother problem that we're not talking about here, okay? Um, so, so Jesus says there's all these foods and there's all this, all this cleanliness that you guys are worried about the outside of the cup. And let me tell you, it's not about what is going in you that is the problem. It is what is coming out of you that is the problem. He says there's all sorts of things that are within our hearts that are actually making us sinful. They're actually the root of sin within us that are showing our uncleanliness. And he gives this whole list and, and walk through a very, uh, you know, a little bit slower than I did just a minute ago, right? Um, pretty comprehensive list. I think we've probably all, probably all hit this list, sorry. Um, in some way. The first one, this, a list of things that come out of the heart of a man. Uh, back to verse 20, yeah, 21. Evil thoughts. Dang. Already messed up. Right? Like, uh, this hadn't even got it on my head yet, right? And, and Jesus saying, something that comes out of a man are his evil thoughts. Because mm. you think, right, well, if I kept the thought in, then like, I'm good because I didn't hurt anybody, right? Because the thought is just, it's just in my head. Say, like, no. If you're having an evil thought, you have to squelch the thing. It is, with, it is coming from some source inside of you. And so the first thing you have to do if you have an evil thought is say, okay, where is that evil thought coming from? 
Where does that stem from? Where in my heart do I have some brokenness or bitterness or, or fleshly desire or whatever it is that is bringing this thought up into my head? Why am I not having a good thought, but rather I'm having an evil thought in this scenario? Right? So Jesus tells us it starts at the level of thought. And you know this from the Sermon on the Mount. You might have read through the Sermon on the Mount. A number of these things come through there also, where, uh, where we see later on, on the list murder, right? Anybody, anybody want to confess to murder today? Okay. <laughs> um, Jesus says, if you have hate in your heart for somebody, it's the same as murder. Jesus has taken this list of bad things that we could do and, and brought it back to really the heart of the issue. If you were pushed hard enough, would you end up murdering somebody if you were in that situation? You'd get real close, maybe. Closer than you might expect. Hate within your heart gets you to that place of wanting someone to not exist anymore. Right? Ever have anybody in your life that you just don't want to exist anymore? Yeah, I have. Been there. Scary to admit that, but it's true. And so we've all been to this place where these thoughts have come into our head. And Jesus says, that has come from a dark place in your heart. And you need to get rid of that place in your heart. Okay? Um, and he goes to the list, sexual immorality. That is, anything outside the bounds of marriage that is sexual. Okay? Um, so there's two kind of on this list. Adultery. That would be anything within the, you've already created a confine of marriage. Anything that breaks that connection of marriage would be adultery. So you've got two kind of sexual uh, situations there. Um, theft, right? That doesn't come from something going into you. I mean, maybe you stole the donut and then put it, okay. Um, But like, right? That's you going out and doing something. You are grabbing something, taking something from somebody. Coveting. Looking on what someone else has and saying, you want that. Why? Why do you want what they have? Deceit, lying to each other. Sensuality. Uh, you know, I mean, I think this is one challenge to us as Americans, right? Am I living luxurious, luxuriously just for the sake of luxury, right? Am I just pleasing my senses at all costs? Envy, being jealous of others, slandering others, speaking badly of them, taking pride in your position, saying, look what I have built in my little kingdom by my great effort, not recognizing who gave you all the ability, and foolishness. All these evil things come from within, and these are the things that defile a person. It's good to have a fence, right, around things, to say, okay, I want to be sure that I don't do that, so I'm going to put some guards in place so that I don't do that, right? Okay? It's good to put fences up to make sure that you don't cross a line that's further down the road. That's, that's great, right? It's good to put barbed wire fence around like a nuclear plant. That's a good thing, right? We don't want to stumble into a nuclear reactor. It's a positive thing to have a fence there, right? That's good. So we should have these fences in our lives. We should have these things around. But if we start trusting in the fence, right, more than the actual heart of the issue, then we've misplaced what we're even trying to do, right? If I'm less concerned about the nuclear reactor than I am about the fence, then there's a problem. And that's exactly what's happening 
uh, here as Jesus puts it out to the Pharisees and the scribes. Say, you are so concentrated on this fence and keeping this fence pretty, and you don't care about the house that is behind it. As I was wrestling through this um, passage this morning, it actually reminded me back to Joshua. So, sorry, rewind to the Old Testament, back to Joshua, and remember what was happening, right? Joshua and the people of Israel were saved by the Lord, right? He brought them through the Jordan River. He cleared it open. They walked right through on dry land. They tore down the walls of Jericho just by, you know, walking around it seven times and blowing trumpets, okay? God saved them, brought them in, gave them the land. Was it over then? Was it done at that point? They, no, they had a battle to fight continuously. The same is true for us. God has saved you, okay? He's taking you across the Jordan. If you're, if you're a follower of Jesus, okay, you've placed your faith in Jesus, you know that the battle doesn't end when you are baptized or place your confession of faith or whatever. It doesn't end there. There's still a battle raging. So he's brought you into this land, and he's given you a position and a place, and, and he's made you uh, a, a child of God, right? But still there's these fights that we have to fight inside the land. And so, so often, just like, just like uh, the Pharisees, we can tend to the outside of the cup or to the fence or whatever you want to put on that and just say, well, I've got church attendance, I've, I'm praying at my meals, you know, I've got this uh, set up, I'm, I'm doing the right things. We're tending to this fence when we've got enemies actually within to take care of. So there's this battle that's raging, and, and what happens is when we're, when we're actually fighting this battle, we have to remove the enemies, okay? These enemies are evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting. These are our enemies in the land, okay? And there are roots of this within us, okay? Each one of us have something in here that we're saying, yeah, I struggle with that one. That's one that's in my heart, and I need to get rid of it. And it is an active battle, and you have to remove these things. And you want to replace, these are, these are fruits, right? That's what these are. These are fruits. They come out of you. They show that something is wrong inside. You're producing fruit. Regardless of what kind of tree you are, you are producing some sort of fruit. And he says, you need to be concerned about these fruits. These are poisonous fruits. Evil thoughts, coveting, wickedness. These are evil fruits. And so we need to go from these evil fruits to fruits of the Spirit. We should be looking for this to come out of us. This should be coming out of us as followers of Jesus, Galatians 5, and 23. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Okay, so Jesus is challenging his disciples, saying, okay, what makes a man unclean is what comes out of him, because it shows what is in him, right? So if evil thoughts are coming out of you, coming up into your head, 
it shows something deeper is there that you've got to work on. If lust is coming out of you, it shows something's there that you've got to work on. If envy is coming out of you, it shows you something's there that you've you got to work on. But you can't just, like, remove that and not replace it. You have to replace it. It has to be replaced with spirit. So we've got these enemies that are in our land, and we have to fight them out and replace them with the spirit. That we might have this good fruit coming out, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all these things. But I want to say this, uh, I want to make sure I say this rightly, that you, that you catch what I'm trying to get across to you. If we start concentrating on, okay, I got rid of these evil things coming out of me, that's good, and I've actually, I'm actually building these uh, good things, I've got some love and some joy and some peace. If I start elevating the fruit of the Spirit over the spirit, I'm actually doing the same thing. Does that make sense? If you start saying, see, I've got the fruit, then you've missed the point. You're, you're back at pride. Boasting in your self-control. I'm the most humble man alive. Right? Like that's, you're Moses again. There you go. Um, we have to let Jesus do work on our hearts constantly. And the, the message of Mark's gospel has been very simple. The, the end point of it, okay, time is filled, kingdom of God is here. Repent and believe. Repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe, repent and believe. It sounds like, you know, a, a, a fire and brimstone message or whatever all the time to say that, repent and believe. But I'm telling you that those are the most beautiful words you could ever receive into your heart. That God would say, hey, listen, all you need to do is repent and trust in me. That's what you need to do. Simply stated. What happens in my experience with sin, and I've got a history with sin, uh, is this, that you live in life and you sin, right? Whatever pattern is, whatever list, you pick, pick, pick from your list, okay? Whatever, whatever thing from the evil, you know, defilement list you want to pick, you know yours, okay? You come to that point, you sin, right? And what happens usually is that you sin and immediately after you sin, you, as a believer, okay, you recognize, dang it, I messed up again. Why do I keep messing up? And then very quickly after that, okay, you, you guys know this experience, I think. I know this experience at least. Someone else comes and starts talking to you and says, see, you've never changed. You're the same person that you've always been, sinful broken, and God doesn't want anything to do with you. 
Anyone ever seen that? You sin and you feel again unworthy. And I'm telling you, the blessing of repent and believe is that when you sin, you recognize that, and immediately in the moment you repent and believe on the Lord Jesus, and his arms come around you like a big, warm hug, and they tell you, I know what you did. I died on the cross for it, and it's over. Move forward. Go forward and sin no longer. This is the beauty of repent and believe. The devil wants to tell you, you're not good enough. See, you're still broken, and you're never going to be good enough. You said a nice prayer, and that was nice, but you know, now you, know, you messed up again, and Jesus is there just saying, I know, I know, repent and believe. Trust me. Keep trusting me. So as I wrap this up, a few things to go with. The, the first one is a question that we should all be asking ourselves all the time. What is coming out of you? What is coming out of you? I know what's coming out of me when I get home after work, go start having dinner. One of the kids does something that I'm mildly, you know, disturbed about, and I overreact to a very small thing that they did like pee on the floor because we're potty training, you know? And I'm harsh immediately. It's not nice, right? The kid's trying to do right, and he messed up. He's a kid, right? I have no right to be harsh in that moment. I have to have self-control and walk into that lovingly and pick the kid up and help him learn the lesson and move forward, but not with a harsh tone. And that's something that's in me. I've got to get rid of that, and it's a battle. And you guys all know that. You come, what is coming out of you? We've all seen this in our lives. You go through your day, you're like, all right, I'm set. I have my quiet time this morning. About lunchtime, you're like, that's wearing off, and <laughs> short temper with the employee or whatever, whatever it is, right, comes up. Okay, don't get discouraged. Just go to Jesus and say, Lord, where did that come from? Where is that root coming from that I'm so harsh or so broken in this moment. <clears throat> Ask yourself the question this week. Observe your life. What is coming out of you? Um, a couple of my roommates in college were being discipled by this gentleman, and uh, one of the first things he had him do was uh, when they kind of like said, okay, we're going to have this relationship. I'm going to pour into you, try and teach you some things that I've learned on my journey with Jesus. First thing he taught him was Take out a piece of paper, and for the next week, write down everything you spend your money on. Every transaction, I want you to write it down. What's coming out of you? That's the question, right? Where is your affection going? Where is your money going to, right? That's a very clear indication of what you desire and want, right? That's the first thing he did in their discipleship relationship. Hey, I want you guys to... Take a log. I don't even have to see the log. You just need to take a log for yourself, write it down, look at it at the end of the week, and go, what did I do? Why did I buy 50 bags of gobstoppers? You know, whatever. Like, whatever it is, right? Why did I do that? Why am I subscribed to 15 different streaming services? Right? Like, what is going on? No wonder I don't have any money. Um, what is coming out of you? You can do it from the financial standpoint. You can do it from your thoughts and your words. What are these words coming out of me? Are the things that build up and strengthen or are the things that tear down? What is coming out of you? And do this 
for me. Don't try and micromanage the little things that are coming out of you. Okay? Don't, don't try and replace them with a whole bunch of good things to outweigh the bad things. That's called, like, karma. You're not doing that. Okay? We're not, we're not outweighing the bad with good. Okay? That's not what we're doing. Okay? And we're not doing that. Go to the heart. When you look at what's coming out of you, go to Jesus and say, Jesus, why is this coming out of me? What is producing this bad fruit in me? Take it from me, Lord. I know that you died on the cross for me. You died for this very sin. Show me what the root is and let me depend on you that this would go away, that I'd it, it gain a greater trust in you and who you are. See what's coming out of you. Repent of that which defiles and believe in Jesus. Set your affection on him. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Do this. Pray this, okay? You, you find something coming out of you that's bad, okay? You say, that's, this fruit in me is not good. I'm seeing this, this, and this. Go before Jesus and just meditate on these verses. This is life verse for me. Hebrews 12, 1 to 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and the sin which clings so closely and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. When you face evil thoughts coming out of you this week, don't listen to the guilt and lies of Satan. Go straight to the cross. Fix your eyes on Jesus, okay? And see what he did, because he did it for you. And he knew the moment that you're going through this week, and he still did it for you. So fix your eyes on Jesus, who for the joy that was set before him endured that cross, the cross you put him on, the cross I put him on. Look to him and say, thank you, Lord, that you died for this junk that I keep wallowing around in. Save me from it again. Fix your affection on Jesus. Believe in him. And then second, great life verse as well, Romans 12, 1 and 2. <clears throat> Do this. I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God, this which is your spiritual worship. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing <clears throat> you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. Okay, see what Jesus has done for you. And then take what he's given you and give it all to him. Give him the whole thing. Don't worry about, okay, I'm going to build some self-control today. Yay. I'm learning self-control from the mindfulness app. Yay. No. Give your whole thing to him. Every minute, every dollar, every talent, everything to the Lord as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable. This is your spiritual act of worship. Don't conform to this world's standard. 
The world wants to tell you that you should have all these types of experiences in life. And God wants to tell you, I want you to be like my son. And my son gave his life for those who didn't deserve it. Me. And let the son renew your mind. Okay, if you do that, if you fix your eyes on Jesus and let what he has done for you renew what is deep inside of you, you will no longer have to worry about the evil things coming out of you or how much good stuff you can produce by fruit. Because I tell you, if you trust and fix your eyes on Jesus and follow hard after him, the evil thoughts will go away. They cannot stay in the presence of the Lord. They will flee. And the fruit will produce, and you'll produce so abundantly that people will look in and go, wow, there's so much going on there. You're going, I don't know how. Jesus is really good. You won't be boasting in how much self-control or faithfulness or goodness you have. You'll just be producing it because you're a good tree with a root in the Holy Spirit. And it should be coming out of you. Don't worry about these things that are coming out of you. Worry about what is inside of you and rooted out by repenting from what you've done and believing on what Christ has done. This is why Jesus was so angered and fed up when the Pharisees come to him and say, your disciples don't wash the outside of the cup. They don't wash their hands. He's going, you guys have no idea. Your hearts are broken and you're worried about a cup. says you're hypocrites you're acting a role that you don't even believe let's pray Lord we thank you we thank you for your word we thank you for your faithfulness to um, speak boldly to our world to the religious to the sinful and call us up to something greater. Which is a sweet affection for you. God, we desire your desires in our life. We repent of trusting in our own selves. We repent of wanting to build up our own fruit. And, and have people look at it. And pat us on the back for it. We repent of all that pride and selfishness and sinfulness. And we thank you that in, because of Jesus, instead of seeing that, the Father in heaven sees Jesus' holiness on us. We don't deserve that, Lord. We're so thankful for it. So God, I pray this week as we go through <clears throat> the coming week, Lord, that our affections will be on you. But yeah, you know, we, we put up good fences where we need them and, and all that, that's fine and good. But help us not trust our fences so much that we miss the heart of the issue that we need to build a desire and a love and a passion 
but what you care about in our lives. God, with all our hearts, we want to worship you. Without you, we're nothing. Search us, O oh God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.